Hello and welcome once again to The Trigger Warning. Here at Queer Pressure Podcast, we like to start each episode with a rundown of any problematic content that might be triggering to our listeners so we can all have a good, consensual time. This week's episode contains mentions of murder, racism, sexism, homophobia, coming out of the closet, grooming, and religious fundamentalism. If any of these topics sound upsetting at the moment, go ahead and skip this one. We'll see you next week. For the rest of you, where have you been, Loka? It's the Twilight episode. Hi, everybody. I'm Maddie Gray. Oh. What is that sound? And I'm Katherine Johnson, and you're listening to Queer Pressure Podcast, a critical exploration of queerness in media as an act of radical self-love. It's not easy to find sounds that represent uh, vampires. I'm a vampire. Yeah. We're so glad you've decided to join us today. Are there va- vampire ASMR channels? I'm sure there better be. Anyways, welcome. So let's switch gears, shall we? What you drinking? Um, I am drinking. <laughs> well, we started to record this podcast already. We didn't love it. We wanted to love it. But this is going to be the Twilight episode to end all Twilight episodes. It has Wait, to be Wait, no, perfect. answer my goddamn question. So I'm drinking Bailey's and coffee. What are you drinking? Blood. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I was like, shut up. Answer my question. I was trying to justify my Baileys. <laughs> you were just trying to get to blood. I was just trying to do a bit. <sighs> I'm so mad at Wrecked you. it. Okay, whatever. I'm so fucking uh, mad at you. For the next two weeks, we are going to be covering vampire fiction. Oh, this yes. This week. And this week is the Twilight episode. And uh, which Twilight, you know, the books, the movies, all of it, all of it, all of it, the entire saga. I'm talking Twilight, New Moon, Eclipse, Breaking Dawn, Life and Death, Midnight Sun, the short second life of Brie Tanner, Twilight 2008, Extended Edition. Oh, I did watch all the extended editions. What about you? I watched the extended editions until Breaking Dawn Part 2 because I just wanted it to end. Alrighty then. (laughs) (laughs) I said no. No more extended editions. But but I know we all know technically what Twilight is, but let's go over it anyway, shall we? What's Twilight? Uh it's a book saga and movie saga about the Twilight universe where Bella falls in love with a vampire and a werewolf falls in love with her. It's fantastic. It's a teen gothic romance novel saga taking place in the Pacific Northwest town of Forks, Washington, uh, written by Mormon writer Stephanie Meyer, who we will be calling Smyre, hence Smyre, takes place in the early 2000s. It consists of four books, Twilight, New Moon, Eclipse, and Breaking Dawn, as well as several spin-off novels that have come out more recently, and five movies that started coming out in 2008. I don't know when they finished. And it stars Robert Pattinson, Kristen Stewart, Taylor Lautner, and Billy Burke. I only included Billy Burke because he's daddy. Yeah, we love uh, complicated relationship with Charlie. Under the awards section, it says, um, it's Twilight, so nothing. <laughs> I'm so glad you finally saw that. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, so here's a good question. Yeah. Team Edward or Team Jacob? Team Alice. Team Alice. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. How'd you like Twilight, bud? Okay. So I kind of have a storied history with t- Twilight and I would like to Everyone break does. it down. Yeah, we literally that's that's part of being an American is having a storied past with Twilight. Yes, correct. So let me share my experience. Now, when I was in high school, this book came out and it burned through my high school. It's my high school too. Our yeah, high school. Our high school, I suppose. You're trying to erase me from your past memory. <laughs> now, the T in Twilight was not capital because it was edgy. Me in my little tiny ego-filled brain. I was a little bit of a snob when it came to my literary preferences, even though I was literally obsessed with Harry Potter. And I really enjoyed poking fun at people who liked Twilight because it was stupid. And you didn't even have to read the book to know that it was stupid. But one day I had a friend who told me, you are not allowed to knock Twilight anymore until you try it. And I said, challenge accepted, bitch. So I raced to the store and bought one of those vampire dildos. Yeah, the ones you put in the freezer that sparkle. They still exist. I looked it up. I was like, maybe. Do they really know? No. Yeah. That they was really a real exist. thing, though. Yeah. That sounds is a real terribly thing. dangerous. Yeah, your coochie lips is going to get stuck to it. Yeah. Anyway. That sounds terrible. I read it and I had such conflicting feelings about it because, one, I couldn't actually put it down. The story was compelling. Not good. But compelling. And the writing was plain ass bad. What about you, Catherine? Tell me about your personal history with Twilight. So it's easy to split the universe into Twihards and Twi haters. You were one mm-hmm. or the other if you were a teenage girl, usually, unless you had something actually going on in your life, which none of us did. And I was both. I was originally a <laughs> Twi hard. All of my friends were like weeaboos, emo, you know. So we liked Twilight and someone said, you got to read this book. And I read the whole series so fast, stayed up all night reading New Moon. And uh, this was the year before Breaking Dawn came out. I remember I came home from summer camp. I was 15, I think, and bought Breaking Dawn. And I got about halfway through it before it suddenly hit me that I think Stephanie Smyer Meyer is maybe bad at writing. And maybe I don't... <laughs> like this book in <laughs> fact i hate it and i closed it and threw it under my bed and i never finished that book and then i was a twy hater <laughs> which is equally as stupid as yes. being a twy hard <laughs> they're both stupid i was in this you know this group that was like harry potter so much better than twilight i'm a cool girl because i don't like twilight and harry mm. potter is dumb and Twilight's dumb. It's all stupid. Opinions are pointless. <laughs> that was not where I expected you to take it. Oh, and also full discretion. I was the one who said, I really want to do Twilight because now I have a morbid fascination with Twilight. Can you give us a little bit of why you wanted to do Twilight so badly? Because we actually had a disagreement about this. We had an argument. We? Yeah. I, I have a morbid fascination with Twilight. We did a Twilight episode on our last podcast, and I really enjoyed doing it because I just think I like the challenge of it. Mm. <laughs> and it's just such a weird phenomenon. And I don't know how I feel about Twilight because I both agree with like 
we were too hard on it. And then anytime I see someone say we were too hard on it, I'm like, you're ignoring the racism and and the 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 religious overtones and the stalking and like uh, you're the literal abuse then when somebody's like twilight sucks i'm like you're being sexist and elitist you know so Mm -hmm. i don't know i guess i'm just better than everyone wow good for you (laughs) Catherine. at the top of every episode we like to do this thing where we take the bad the problematic things about a piece of media call them out, then set them aside so we can actually enjoy the piece. But I'm going to go ahead and propose that we do the opposite today. Let's start off with what we did like about the Twilight franchise. Yeah, with big disclaimer, big disclaimer that we're going to talk shit for the rest of the episode. But for a second, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about Twilight like it has some good parts. That's the thing. I think Twilight definitely has value. I just don't think... Well, I'm not I'm not even going to be negative. Don't even get me negative. I love the vibes. We love Twilight here. The vibes are immaculate. The aesthetic, fantastic. Flannels, old trucks, trees everywhere. Let's define oh, this. God. In 2008, Twilight by Catherine Hardwick. Yes. Yes, that's not fair. Not the rest of the series. We love angst. Angst is so good in storytelling. Kristen Stewart's hot. Kristen Stewart's really hot and also queer. So the reason we're doing this podcast right now is because we are living in the middle of a Twilight renaissance at the moment. Oh. Where it's all over TikTok. Everyone's reading it. Everyone's talking about it, which was brought on by a couple of events. One is that Stephanie Meyer came out with, was it Midnight Sun that just came out? Yes. So she she's made a couple of books recently continuing the saga. Plus there was this thing where we all stayed home and were scared for our lives. And so people posit that going back to something nostalgic and safe and reminds us of a simpler times, like the 2000s, was very appealing to a lot of people. And everyone's staying home and streaming and reading. So suddenly everyone was talking about Twilight again. So that's kind of why it's on the consciousness of everybody right now. But coming back to it, we're seeing things differently than we did back then. Mm -hmm. There's still things that are obviously eh, that we knew even back then. But something everyone's noticing is we might have been too hard on Twihards. Oh, for sure. The history of the Twilight fandom, who are primarily young girls, which you and I were both at the we time. Yep. I was mm-hmm. about 14, 15. And it, and it ranged lower than that and higher than that. And there was also a whole group of Twi moms, like middle-aged women who also enjoyed Twilight. Yeah. Which has its own subversive history. I know a lot of husbands felt that their wives had been stolen by Edvard Colin, but uh, that's (laughs) not our topic for today, unfortunately. But Twilight got so much derision that other franchises of the same time did not receive, such as like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Even though it's equally kind of nerdy... Because of the female aspect of it, that the draw was sparkly vampires that they're in love with. And so there was less of a male presence among the fans. And people hate girls. People hate teenage girls. One Direction, you know, would be a similar reaction. So now we're looking back at that of like, this was a lot of misogyny of why we had the split of people who liked Twilight, but it was cool to hate Twilight. And it, it was as obsessive as Twilight fans were people who hated Twilight. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot wrong with what's in Twilight. But 
again, it comes back to that thing of, you know, letting people enjoy something. And this was something that a lot of women and AFAB people really, really liked. And I'm not quite sure why. Um, the vibes are great. I do. Um, tell me why then. Because oh, well, I never really got it. It's because Bella's a blank slate and you can put yourself into her and have a, a vampire be in love with you is why. And and also there was the timing was good. There was an emo vibe mm-hmm. following the years following 9-11. Something Twilight did do for feminism because it's a... Don't get me wrong, it's an anti-feminist book, but something that Twilight did accomplish for the feminist movement was that it showed major studios that the group of young women, you know, aged 8 to 18, is a viable uh, group of people that you could advertise to, that they it gave meaning to that group monetarily you know but you don't exist unless you are profitable to capitalism Mm -hmm. because um twilight itself twilight 2008 was given a budget of 38 million dollars which Catherine hardwick the director will use as a reason to point out why it's not that good but i also don't think that that's that's not an obscenely low budget it is a low budget but i've i've worked on movies that are made for six hundred thousand dollars and are yeah put together more competently than Twilight. But (laughs) we're talking about the good here. It was given $38 million because Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, which was similarly a very popular book that was made into a movie, only made $38 million, which is not a ton. And they said, we don't believe that this is going to do that well, even though the book was wildly popular Mm -hmm. because girls don't matter and we don't like them. (laughs) So here's $38 million. So it's not too much of a financial risk go make your shitty twilight movie and because it was not expected to do that well they said sure we'll have this female director make it and then it was an unprecedented success we all know this we all know Mm -hmm. how popular twilight was and subsequently they never hired another female director but at the time Catherine hardwick was one of the first female directors to ever create a blockbuster this is one of the pioneers of having a movie that is starring a woman and marketed towards women in a sci-fi genre in an an action genre so it did knock down a lot of doors for women in the industry but why did it have to be this movie (laughs) is a people's (laughs) problem with it but i don't i don't think that we we still have to look at it as like even though it's problematic, it did do these good things. It did yeah. change things for women because it showed that we will buy shit. Exactly. At its core, this story is about straight people. Um, So I need to know from you why we needed to put it on our queer podcast because I, I, I still am struggling to understand. Funny, you should ask. Bum, 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 bum. Welcome to the courtroom of Katherine Johnson, where we, I don't know, I already lost Oh, no. Bit. Started strong. Started strong. Where we discuss why something straight and beloved by straight women is actually, for me, a gay person. Yeah, give it. Does that mean I'm the judge? Am I the judge? You're the judge. I'm the prosecution. All rise. Hello. Hello. My main source today that I'm talking about is one particular person named Jamie McFarland has many, many essays about Twilight and queerness, (laughs) and she was definitely my main source, so I'm going to shout that out today. Today, I have a monumental task Mm -hmm. ahead of me, and if I fail, 
I will be killed. Wow. Wow. <laughs> the stakes just got very, very high. I was not aware <laughs> of this. Today, I will be laying out my arguments for you that the series Twilight is a gay text. Ew. Oof. All right. That's a big hill to climb, but I look forward to you trying. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary folks of the jury, that's everyone listening. When you walk out of this car or whatever you're in today, you will never look at Twilight the same. Team Edward, Team Jacob, Fye. No. Team Rosalie. Team Alice. Oh. Oh. We're going to go into this with an understanding of two concepts. Okay? Okay. As yeah. we are queering this text. One, all subtext, all symbolism, anything, anything in this text can mean something. Is deliberate, can mean something. There's no, oh, it's a throwaway. It doesn't mean anything. Everything is deliberate. I'll give you that. Yeah, definitely. Two, authorial intent is less than observation. Oh, yeah. And impact. Observation and impact is always greater than authorial intent. I don't care yeah. what Stephanie Meyer Smyer meant. Anything that in that is in this book can be taken how I observe it. Mm-hmm. And everything means something. If we can all accept this, we can continue on. I think we can continue on. I Did you know that vampires are gay? Uh, I knew that vampires are all bisexual. Yeah, we have this joke between the two of us that all vampires are bisexual. and Because to us, that seemed ridiculous because we are millennials. And mm -hmm. the millennial vampire... So Angel from the series Angel and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Stefan and Damon from The Vampire Diaries, Edward Cullen, all very straight individuals. But historically, vampires have always been associated with queerness. It's actually <laughs> yeah. this recent surge of like millennial vampires is what has moved it away from the original symbolism of vampires. They've always been very queer. Yeah, think about Dracula. Think about Lestat and Interview Well, Dracula... Dracula was actually a move towards making vampires more heteronormative again, but like as Gross. far back as even pre-Dracula, I've got some lesbian vampire poetry from the early 1800s. What? Here is a poem called Christabel that was written by Samuel Taylor Coleridge in 1797. And to be fair, I haven't actually read this snippet. I just copy pasted it from a Jamie McFarland essay. So who knows how lesbian it's going to get. So halfway from the bed she rose and on her elbow did she recline to look at the lady Geraldine. Beneath the lamp, the lady bowed and slowly ro rolled her eyes around. Then, drawing in her breath aloud, like one that shuddered, she unbound the cincture from beneath her <laughs> breast, her silken robe, and inner vest, dropped to her feet, and full in view, behold, her bosom, and half her side, a sight to dream, not to tell, oh, shield her, shield sweet Christabel. Um, so this is a, a vampire Geraldine trying to take advantage of a young woman. To chomp on a young lady. With her boobs. So <laughs> this this goes back very to time immaterial of the association of queerness with vampires. Think of Lestat, you know, from Interview with a Vampire. 
Yeah. Uh, even Let the Right One In had a transgender vampire. Dyke-sploitation films of the 70s, 80s, I want to say. There was a lot of bisexual female vampires. That was the most common iteration of a queer vampire, was a lesbian or bisexual vampire. Because there is this inherent sexual transgression of a vampire. There's a sexuality to them. There always is because they are seducing people. Mm -hmm. The act of biting somebody is an act of penetration and it's not always opposite gendered. They're going to obviously penetrate people of the same gender. And it's a physical penetrative act, which we don't have very many of besides the act of sex. And I guess going to the dentist. So by the same. Also, both having to do with teeth. Is there something to it? Yes, I think so. And the camp aesthetic of vampires adds to this, you know, queerness of them. And also, symbolically, vampires are somebody who has this behavior, this thing that they can't control. Mm-hmm. Some would say a curse. This is not me saying that gayness is like this, but as a symbol, it's a curse that you cannot control. And you have to exist outside of the normal world because of it. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, a lot of people think that vampirism is closely associated with homosexuality. And it wasn't until this Smyers vampires that we started to see vampires differently so she was actually kind of changing everything that was cool about vampires <laughs> and it sucks yeah. because it's our whole generation our vampires we think of all follow this like vegetarian vampire trope which is very unusual it's mm-hmm. that is not like what the vampire story is supposed to be about but smire is boring so she ruined vampires is what i'm trying to get at i mean she was following also in the footsteps of other vampire fantasy writers who were writing at the time like I remember reading um like a very predatory like like it was very uh heterosexual vampire story where the main vampire's name was Thierry and I looked for it forever and I could not find it um and then in in the end of the 90s what is their name the author of the vampire diaries was writing the vampire diaries which has a lot of similarities (laughs) to twilight yeah and true blood also that's the Mm -hmm. one we i never watched because madison and i both loved the vampire diaries and buffy the vampire slayer and someone tried to get me to watch true blood and i was like i can't i i'm not a vampire fan i cannot have a third vampire thing i like but that just goes to show how the like colons became the in our generation the idea of what a vampire was. So I said, you know, like, it's embarrassing to like vampires. I can't watch this many vampire shows. Where actually, like, hers are the outliers, you know? Vampires sure. are cool. Vampires are really cool. Her vampires... The colons are bad. Are, the colons are bad. and they, But they aren't a true, authentic vampire story. The themes of vampirism that you should see aren't there. The coolness of it. Like, even the Vampire Diaries is way cooler. Even though it has a nearly identical premise but Mm -hmm. the book series of the vampire diaries did come out before twilight like you said they're different though there's a lot more going on in the vampire diaries than yeah there's they're very very different it's like stephanie meyer smyer stole the premise and just kind of built angst into it i don't believe though a lot of people think that maybe smyer was copying el james isn't that her name no 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 that's that's no that's uh no 50 shades of gray oh Um, right yeah, but was copying the author of The Vampire Diaries. But I think 
I've seen things that just the premise of Twilight is such a common YA conceit of normal clumsy girl comes to Newtown meets vampire, you know, meets supernatural boy that she falls in love with. It's just such a common trope that even though it's kind of similar between the Vampire Diaries and Twilight, it's actually just very, very, very common. Yeah. And and a big problem was that like the Vampire Diaries styled their leads similarly to Twilight, which they aren't in the book. Cuz like no. Bel- or uh, Elena in the Vampire Diaries is supposed to be blonde. Mhm. And they made her, you know, Nina Dobrev, which was brunette, more similar to Kristen Bella. Stewart. So what I'm trying to say is I don't vampires are gay. They just are. They are queerly coded. And not just as like a haze code thing, because we talk about the haze code a lot on this podcast, mm-hmm. but in case you haven't heard us talk about it, the haze code was a 1930s uh, law that was passed after a bunch of really cool rock stars and movie stars had a party and a bunch of people like overdosed and there was a moral panic and the government created this set of rules that you had to follow. One of these rules was that you could not uh, show homosexual behavior unless you were condemning it Mm -hmm. and that led to queer coding where you would sneak queer things in through symbols through character tropes and it wasn't always positive and um how we got so used to the flamboyant villains that sort of thing so obviously that has added a lot to queer vampires because even just in twilight our villains are queer coded arrow and his whole group and laurent like they're all just very gay very gay but even before that, even before that led to more queer-coded vampires, vampires have just always been kind of gay. Until we get to the colons. Exhibit mm. B. I am going to explain to you why the colons are the heteronormative ideal family. <laughs> you don't even need any evidence. I already believe you. <laughs> so, But tell me anyway. Tell me anyway. Here's what Smyre did. So... Obviously, Stephanie Meyer is a member of the Mormon religion. Madison and I, we won't get too much into it. Madison and I both have large Mormon families. Mm-hmm. And so I have grown up knowing a lot of Mormons and have gone to Mormon church and, and kind of understand the way they think. But she is a Mormon housewife who wrote these books and once again I'm saying how since we grew up with this we didn't see it as like changing the narrative of vampires so i'm going to try to illuminate how she did this so the the cullens we have a patriarch carlisle cullen who i got to see in person a couple of years ago at halloween town we all screamed nice. daddy cullen as he lit the great pumpkin he was very drunk it was great and uh, <laughs> i love that for him. pre-pandemic times of course but there are many who would say that and myself included that carlisle cullen is a metaphor for Joseph Smith, who is the, mm. what's the word? He's the, the founder, founder of Mormonism, but they yeah. have a more religious word. But he he created Mormonism. And this is not how Joseph Smith actually was as a person. There is a lot of historical evidence that he was a grave-robbing flim-flam man. But mm. how Mormons see him is that he's this very pious man who's perfect, just like Carlisle Cullen. And Carlisle starts this new way of being among the vampires he says i am so compassionate i'm so wonderful i'm so good at being the perfect man that i am going to only eat animals and i believe that this is the correct way to go and we're gonna go against the nature of vampires we are starting a new life that is pious and righteous and good and a huge 
pillar of his way of life is, as Jamie McFarland said, and I just can't get this uh, this term out of my head, is compulsory heterosexuality. <laughs> yeah. Because yep, 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 yep. the ages of these people don't make any fucking sense. So Mm-mm. Esme is not that much older than Edward. He's been a vampire longer. She's like slightly older than him. She also met Carlisle when she was 16 and he turned her at age 26. And I was like, that's the most Mormon fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, Sounds grooming. like grooming. But she's not that much older than Edward, but she's his mother. Aww. And Carlisle is Edward's father. And they bring in Rosalie, who we won't get into everybody's backstory, but they bring Rosalie and she's also like magically around the same age as everyone. They all get turned at like age 17, 18, 19, except Esme, who is so much older because she was 26 when she was turned. So she's the mother of all these adult children at age 26. They bring Rosalie in and Carlisle hoped that he would become the, she would become the mate of Edward. Disgusting. Like, that's not how we do that. Like, he's obviously trying to put together this family that is just like couples, that's just heterosexual couples, which is weird. That is not how families work. (laughs) And they didn't like each other. Rosalie found our favorite himbo, Emmett, turned him, so then Mm -hmm. they became a unit. And then we introduce Alice and Jasper, who came separately from the Cullens, who had already been vampires, but Alice had these premonitions and came and joined them. But more so than anything I've ever watched, these people, while they have some identity apart from each other, they're really units, as it's Esme and Carlisle, Rosalie and Emmett, Jasper and Alice. Like, just as an example... At the very, very end of Breaking Dawn, when Alice has been gone and she shows back up to, like, deal the, like, final blow in anything else, it would have just been Alice emerging from the trees to talk to Aro. No, it's Alice and Jasper. (laughs) Because as we all know, you can't take two steps forward without your boyfriend there with you. And also, these people have been together for, like, 80 years and they're still, like, macking on each other all the time. It's fucking stupid. (laughs) I hate it. Like So much time is spent explaining everybody's heterosexual coupling. And it's just weird. Like nothing else is like this where it's like they're not a complete character until they have their heterosexual other and they're a they're a unit. Yeah. So that's this weird fucking family that Carlisle has made. And it's just not how vampires are like this (laughs) fake like I'm the dad. This is the mom. And Esme's not much older than Rosalie. And then there's that part where Rosalie like breaks a bowl and she turns and tells her like, you clean that up, you know, like she's the mom. And it's like, you're like five years older than her and you're both like a hundred. Yeah. This is bizarre, like fake role play family shit. It's really, really weird. Yeah. None of it's natural. Yeah. I kind of understand some vampires that like were actually like mother and daughter before they were turned, like still maintaining that dynamic, but... Or even just maintaining the dynamic in public in front of other people who, like, don't know that you're all 100 years old. But these people are all roughly the same age. They're all very old. And then you have Edward, who's like this 106-year-old bachelor who's incomplete because he hasn't found his mate yet. But within this, like, heteronormative ideal of this family unit, even though it's, like, this is the most heterosexual thing we could possibly be talking about is Twilight. For example, if you go to the ships, you go research the ships around this, most shipping that happens with around any um, fandom of this type is going to be primarily queer, not Twilight. Like, the queer 
ships are they're around more now but like at the time nobody shipped jacob and edward like some people did but it's not like supernatural where like that's the number one ship right the number one ship in harry potter is is draco and is dreary you know the number one ship in twilight is edward and bella and then it's and then it just goes down the list of all the heterosexual couples before you finally get to Alla and Bellis or Alice and <laughs> Alan and Bellis Alan and Bellis but so this is this is very bizarre this is a very weird phenomenon to have something so heterosexual that even the fans are really invested in the heterosexuality like that, that does not happen in fandoms and fan fiction the reason to write fa- fan fiction is typically because you are trying to make the text meld more to your own identity so this is like the most heterosexual fandom that's ever existed so for me that tells me that like bella is such a self-insert that all of these heterosexual women are placing her in their own like idealized romantic story and writing fan fiction mm-hmm. about it but even amongst this aggressive heteronormativity, I would like to make the case uh-huh. for Edward being a symbol of a gay man. And we're going to go forward assuming that he is a closeted gay. Okay, wait, you have to explain <laughs> why first. I know, I'm just saying what my thesis okay, is. Okay, the thesis I'm, within a thesis, but a thesis at this point. I'm ready but to hear it. So I believe it. that Edward is at least symbolically, but we're also going to say canonically, uh-huh. but we're going to meld things to my points, a closeted gay man. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. Just right off the top, the, the basis of this argument is because Edward is a vampire. He is the apex predator. He is drawn to human blood, but he denies his true self. Ooh, yeah. Which is closely aligns with a gay narrative more so than <laughs> anything else. Mm-hmm. And and not just that, you know, something loose of like he's denying his actual self. His actual self would mean that he's having penetrative acts with men, you know, and his his fake self, the self that he is putting up to try and get rid of this true self is being a part of a heteronormative family unit who lives in a house, who has jobs, mm. who goes to school, mm-hmm. who follows the rules, who pays taxes, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Just yeah. the heteronormative ideal because heteronormativity is not just heterosexuality. Mm-mm. It is a blanket term for that covers you know, patriarchy, uh, monogamy, all these things that we believe society is, but isn't true. You know, it's just how like a lot of people believe society would crumble should non-monogamy become a thing. Right. So not just that, like, they're all coupled up in these heterosexual relationships, but that they follow every rule of trying to be, like, a normal person versus other vampire covens that might travel more, that might have more fun, honestly. Consume more human beings, even. Yeah, not take part of this white picket fence Mormon ideal. Yeah. We'll, we'll say fundamental Christian ideal of what a pious, like, good person should be. It's very boring. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> and, and so this obviously very largely alludes to somebody who would be forcing themselves to take part in a heteronormative world, even yeah. though their true self is homosexual. Or anything other than the heteronormative. And I don't think we can say that, you know, Edward is happy. He's brooding. He's tortured. He... He's an he's angsty depressed. Bitch. He's sad. He's yeah. weird. He has no personality. So, so you, he's not enjoying his his heteronormative lifestyle at all. And he, in fact, 
did deviate from this lifestyle when he was younger. He mm. uh, had a period where he was revolting against uh, daddy. Mm-hmm. Don't we all? And was like a ripper, which like every single one of these vampires, Angel, Stefan, all did the same exact thing. Yeah. But under the lens of a, a vampire biting a human being a penetrative act. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the film, I believe it's Eclipse. They're talking about their secrets and things. And um, Edward says, you know, you don't, this is not exact quotes, but he says, like, you don't know everything about me, Bella. Like saying, you know, he has some dark secrets. And Bella says, are you a virgin? And he (laughs) tells a story (laughs) about when he used to eat men. (laughs) And, And it was men that he, like, heard in their heads were, like, gonna be murderers or something. Obviously, this can be explained away. But let's talk about it for a second that she brings up are you a virgin and he immediately starts thinking about all of the men he used to eat (laughs) that's very funny i didn't put that together (laughs) (laughs) and and obviously we're meant to believe he was a good person so he was eating these men because it's wrong to eat women that's rude um and he was just eating men who were gonna like murder women but what if that was just an excuse that he was looking for the shittiest dudes because he wanted to bite dudes? Yeah. So this all very closely aligns up with like what could be a very similar story of I rebelled against daddy. I went and fucked a bunch of dudes and then I came back to the church. Oh, for sure. I'm I'm so on board with this. I probably shouldn't tell you that as the judge, but uh, yeah, yeah. killing it so far. <laughs> but and and largely homosexuality in a lot of fundamental faiths and we're and we're talking about this just assuming that the book is kind of tightly aligned with religion which it is so i'm not even gonna argue that it is of course it is. i wouldn't go as far to say that it's like more mormon propaganda i but i think it's hard to believe in something so much without getting some like messaging that condemns other lifestyles oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. For without sure. trying to propagate your lifestyle a little bit i don't think she's trying to propagate her lifestyle i just it's fundamentally a part of christianity especially mormonism to evangelize so without even thinking about it i think she would yeah i don't think she intentionally is evangelizing i think that like that's so much a part of her beliefs already that it just happens when she has something to say right yeah i wouldn't think she's she doesn't she probably doesn't think she's evangelizing no she is a little bit yeah but uh but homosexuality within fundamental religions is seen as like a curse you are born with but through determination and force of will you can try to deny it to live a more pious lifestyle you know you can go to conversion therapy you can just pray the gay away it's kind of like that it's like that's what i believe edward is going through here but but he's in love with bella you say Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, let me say that actually before, <laughs> like, before you assume what I'm going to say. Yeah. But Catherine, he's in yes. love with Bella Swan. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> drawn to Bella, though they have nothing in common. Ah, <laughs> uh, they're both pale. And I'm gonna get into this more later. But Bella's very queer coded as well. Oh, like, absolutely. She's, he- the girl he falls for, obviously, is because he can't read her thoughts, but, like, also is a very queer-coded character that he should fall for someone who's, like, <laughs> a lesbian. Um, Which I will talk about more when we get to, like, our shipping section. But another queer-coded character is the character that Edward is drawn to inexplicably because they have nothing in common. They have no shared interests. These two define themselves 
by their powerful love. <laughs> and it's it's like the defining characteristic in both of their lives, often causing them to behave completely irrationally, which doesn't sound like a real attraction. You know, it's like a powerful first love, but there's nothing there. There's no basis of it. They just Yeah, there's no foundation to their relationship. It's just I love you and must be around you. Almost like <laughs> there's an ulterior motive. Huh, interesting. That maybe even the two are unaware of, you know? That Bella is less the perfect woman that Edward is supposed to marry and more his final piece in his heteronormative lifestyle that Ooh. he's trying to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Within this, Edward has a pervasive fear of sex. Um, <laughs> he really does. <laughs> he's extremely afraid of sex. Uh, there are two explanations that are given. Um, fear that he's going to hurt Bella and fear mm-hmm. for his own immortal soul. And spoiler alert, they do have sex before Bella is a vampire, but after they are married, showing that the more important part of this for him was his immortal soul. So this does two things. It shows that he is afraid of the consequences of living outside of a Christian norm. Uh And two, perhaps he was looking for a lot of excuses to get out of it because... (laughs) That's the only time they have sex until they're vampires again. And Edward is obsessed with marrying Bella despite her young age and the short time that they've been together. And and within the realm of vampirism, what does like marriage even matter? It doesn't. (laughs) They've been dating for like a year and he's a hundred and he's like, let's get married. Like bizarre. And even she, she's very young and she's like, I'm not ready to do that. Everybody's just going to think I'm pregnant. Right. And- And I kind of said this earlier, but our first inclination is to just believe that this is a religious endorsement of young marriage from our smire. But we could also analyze it queerly that Edward is fighting against his transgressive urges every day. (laughs) And Uh... this is his last piece of the puzzle. And perhaps the biggest, (laughs) one of my favorite defenses of Edward is gay, is his coming out scene as a vampire. His coming out to prove he's a vampire is quite literally showing Bella that his skin sparkles. (laughs) He steps out into the sunlight. We see that he glitters and he says, this is who I really am. If that is not a gay metaphor... (laughs) <laughs> and I, okay here's the thing i'm with you 1000 percent. do mm-hmm. i think the stephanie meyer intended this no do i think that matters no yeah. i don't think her intention matters so intention doesn't yeah matter. because a lot of people have noted that twilight despite being this heteronormative vanilla version of vampires still participates in a lot of camp sensibility probably not on purpose but the the weird off-putting makeup is very camp the melodrama is very camp the weird fucking editing that doesn't line up is very camp and the fact that he glitters and he says this is who i really am incredibly camp and she she calls him beautiful and he immediately goes this is the skin of a killer bella yeah yes very gay very gay that's my case on Edward. <laughs> yeah, um, I buy it. The other side of our our favorite pairing, Bel- Bedward, is Bella, <laughs> who, and obviously this wasn't done on purpose, but coincidentally is played by a queer actress, Kristen Stewart, who came out yeah. long after Twilight and was in fact like dating Robert Pattinson. But at the time that this was being filmed, 
Mm-hmm. But the fact that she is a queer actress, which happens so rarely, you're already, she just walks out with her cactus in Twilight and her flannel and <laughs> your radar is just going bang, 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 you know. And That's a lesbian! <laughs> I remember when we first watched this again, it was the first time I'd seen it in probably like 10 years. When we watched this for our previous podcast a couple years ago, mm-hmm. I was very ready to hate it and didn't hate it like had fun with it but for the first five minutes i was like i don't know i'm kind of digging this like she's cute she's cool i love her flannel i love her little cactus (laughs) i love her truck yeah her truck is so good but also a very clearly coded queer queer truck yeah i'm like i kind of stan bella like like i watched twilight the first movie with my girlfriend and we were watching it and i was I can't remember if she said it or I did first, but one of us went, no heterosexual woman would love that truck as much as Bella loves that truck. No. And because Bella is described as this like cool girl archetype, mm, yeah, she's not like other girls. She's not chasing Mike. She's not chasing any of the boys, which is part of why they inherently cannot leave her alone. And she wears like a cool like bowling shirt to the first day of school. She wears (laughs) Converse with her prom dress. She doesn't even want to go to prom. She tries to get out of it. And Mm -hmm. when she gets married, Alice is trying to get her to practice in her heels and she can't do it. She's a cool girl. But we all know what that means. That's gay girl. She's gay. (laughs) She doesn't know it yet. So then why is she so preoccupied with Edward, obviously? A vampire thrall. That's why. That is what I had written down. I was literally about to say. Is it really? I'm so sorry. I did not think that that was actually be what That is great. Yeah. Well, because you and I have had this. (laughs) You came up with it, but we've had this theory for years that it's a vampire thrall, which would explain so much of it. And, and even outside of that, I wonder if she is projecting her feelings of wanting to be a vampire onto her feelings of loving Edward. Oh, She's yeah, 18. for sure. She's 18. Yeah. Her, like, emotions are very malleable. She doesn't have previous experience that we're aware of because she doesn't exist before this series with other guys. So in Breaking Dawn, she even says, like, I was born to be a vampire. Yeah. And so... Is it not more that she really wants to be a vampire and she's confused those feelings with really wanting Edward? And I I want to see the book that's like 50 years in the future when they get divorced. God, me too. I was thinking that while I was watching Breaking Dawn Part 2. So she, she becomes a vampire at the end of Breaking Dawn Part 1. And we kind of see the transformation like take hold in the beginning of Part 2. And she does that thing where she voices over and says, like, I was meant to be a vampire. I was born to be a vampire. And which is fucked up. The, yeah, it is. <laughs> I was born to be a dead thing. But if we're already saying, one, that vampires are intrinsically coded as queer, then yeah. Clearly. But the second thing is like the movie does this weird thing where they show the last the last sentence of the book at the end. And it's like they went on and had a good life forever. Bullshit. 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 Because one, I don't ever buy the and the ha- and they lived happily ever after ending. Yeah. Because that's not how life works. No. There's always gonna be struggles. There's it always, always gets gonna worse. be It always gets gets more complicated. And I want the book where Bella realizes 
She's queer. Yeah. It was never about Edward to begin with. It was about becoming a vampire. And she steals Alice from Jasper. That's yeah. what I want. Some more Bella proofs. Yes, Something yeah. I noticed is there's kind of a bond between Emma and Bella. Inexplicably. Oh, yeah. Like she gets along with Jasper. She loves Alice. She you know, has a weird thing with Rosalie. She's, you know, has like, she's like friendly with all of them, but there's like a weird closeness between her and Emmett. Mm -hmm. I would not be stretching to say that Emmett is a himbo. Mm -hmm. And what is the natural counterpart of a himbo? A lesbian. A lesbian. Yep. Lesbians and himbos are drawn to each other. And if you don't believe me, like look at Emmett's reaction when Bella's like dying. He's like, that's his lesbian that's his little lesbian friend that's my little lesbian so this brings us to some actual ships and i know that there are like rosalie bella shippers but sorry guys i'm just gonna talk about alice so there are there's a lot of insinuations that alice is interested in bella and oh, yeah and a lot that bella reciprocates a very intense friendship with each other. I um, took some screenshots from Tumblr <laughs> yes. of just parts of the book. So this has got to be from New Moon when Alice shows back up. Um, unnaturally still and white with her large black eyes intent on my face, my visitor waited perfectly motionless in the center of the hall, beautiful beyond imagining. My knees trembled for a second and I nearly fell. Then I hurled myself at her. Alice, oh, Alice! Sorry, I cried as I slammed into her. I'd forgotten how hard she was. It was like running headlong into a wall of cement. Bella? There was a strange mingling of relief and confusion in her voice. I locked my arms around her, gasping to inhale as much of the scent of her skin as possible. Jesus Christ. Uh, here's another section. I think this is also from New Moon. Uh, no, they're all gone. I stayed behind to tell you goodbye. Alice is gone? My voice was blank with disbelief. <laughs> Like, that's her first oh. question. She wanted to say goodbye, but I convinced her that a clean break would be better for you. I was dizzy. It was hard to concentrate. It's just from Alice leaving. <laughs> okay, so this is from uh, Midnight Sun, which is the a reimagining of Twilight from Edward's perspective. And Alice is trying to get Edward to introduce her to Bella because she has foreseen that they're going to be friends. Edward, Alice protested shrilly. I love her, Edward. But she didn't love Bella the way I did. Her vision was preposterous. Wrong. She was blinded somehow, seeing impossibilities. Lies. Edward, you jealous, jealous bitch. Alice sighed. This is also from Midnight Sun. Alice sighed and my grin became a glare. I know, I know, she thought. Not yet. I'll wait until you're ready for Bella to know me. You should know, though. This isn't just me being selfish. Bella's gonna like me, too. I didn't answer her as I hurried out the door. That was a different way of viewing the situation. Would Bella want to know Alice to have a vampire for a girlfriend? Interesting choice of words. Ooh, I have a question. Uh, yeah. Do you think that like Smire coded these things in there because she also felt an attachment to one oh, of her Oh, that friends? she didn't notice? <laughs> she's yeah. got whatever friend this is based that on. She's, she's like, with. yeah, that she probably has a friend that she was just kind of in love with really infatuated with and she didn't interpret it as love i'm totally speculating but yeah here's another description of alice from bella's perspective mm -hmm. alice her short inky hair in a halo of spiky disarray around her exquisite elfin face was suddenly standing behind his shoulder her slight frame was willowy graceful even in, in absolute stillness he greeted her without looking away from me alice 
Edward, she answered, her high soprano voice almost as attractive as his. Oh, shit. Jesus Christ. Uh, it's it's excessive. It um, is. And there- There's a lot of these. And, like, I watched a lot of YouTube videos where I uh, the YouTuber, like, laid these out. Yeah. And tried to, like, prove that Alice Bella ship was real. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I buy it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's... I, re- I remember them being really close. And now that I'm looking back at it, it's like, it is, it does stand out as strange the way they talk about each other mm-hmm. <laughs> and love each other. And when I was watching the movie, like, we all came to that same conclusion as well of just, just from the movie that they're obsessed with each other, especially the scene in Twilight, the original Twilight, when Bella's being chased by James, the evil vampire. And yeah. Alice is like, we're going to take her. And Edward's like, no. And she's like, yeah, we're going to take her. And she like grabs Bella. And Edward's like, could you keep your thoughts to yourself, Alice? And she's like, I will. And it's like, are her thoughts, give me my girlfriend. And Edward being like, <laughs> keep it to yourself. And Alice being like, I will because you, you know, called her and I can't have her. There's another one I can't find that's like talking about when... Bella first finds Alice after she comes home and like Alice like pulls her into her like lap Uh and Bella just like snuggles into her and there's another one of Bella falling asleep on her and it being like the best rest she'd had in forever it's oh here hi Bella Alice said and she bounced forward to kiss my cheek there's one you do Alice says you do smell nice I never noticed before she commented that sounds like lesbianic behavior if you ask me in New Moon, they're talking about changing Bella into a vampire, her and Alice. And Alice says, actually, Bella, she hesitated and then seemed to make a choice. Honestly, I think it's all gotten beyond ridiculous. I'm debating whether to just change you myself. Did I scare you? She wondered. I thought that's what you wanted. I do, I gasped. Oh, Alice, do it now. I could help you so much and I wouldn't slow you down. Bite me. Cute. Penetrate me. So one other part of that, why would... Alice then be so obsessed with Jasper. Jasper being Jasper Battlescars Hale, a Confederate soldier. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Lest we forget Jasper can manipulate emotions as his power. Oh, shit. Into Westing. The T, though. Let's go back to Edward for a second. So Bella, it's not as like symbolic. It's more textual <laughs> like she mm-hmm. seems she seems queer coded so edward and jacob apparently does exist as a ship i had a hard time finding much about them as a couple um let's see how low down they are on ao3 so ao3 is a archive of our own one of the top fan fiction websites yeah at the moment is certainly the most popular not during yeah. twilight's heyday though so I'm looking by relationships on Archive of Our Own. Mm-hmm. The most popular being Edward Cullen and Bella Swan. Second is Alice Cullen Jasper Hale. Third is Emmett Cullen Rosalie Hale. Fourth is Carlisle Cullen Esme, Esme Cullen. Fifth is Jacob Black Bella Swan. And sixth is the first homosexual pairing we get, which is Jacob Black Edward Cullen. That is so wild to me. And then we're back into heterosexuality with Jasper Hale, Bella Swan. Jasper and Bella comes before yeah. Alice and Bella? And then, <laughs> And then Jacob Black Renesmee. And then Rosalie. Ew. Rosalie and Bella and Alice and Bella, but they're pretty much the same. They're both, uh, Rosalie and Bella are at 255 and Alice and Bella are at 255. Alice and Bella's behind Rosalie mm-hmm. and Bella? 
But like just to give you absurd, just some metrics of this. uh, Edward and Bella have three thousand and forty one tagged fix on AO3 at the moment. And Jacob and Edward have three hundred and fifty eight. So a little over a tenth. Which is very strange for um, fan fiction, you know? And I noticed that fanfiction.com doesn't show you the number by by pairing. Huh. I would have to do it all, like, one at a time, which I don't feel like doing. So, but I, I did read on, like, the fan lore wiki that supposedly the most popular homosexual ship within Twilight was Edward and Jasper. Huh. Which is probably, if that's true, is probably some latent racism there what was the point i was making with this oh so jacob and edward um i don't really (laughs) see the merits of this uh pairing but just we're gonna put out all the evidence on the table new moon was based it's uh bookended with allusions to romeo and juliet Mm -hmm. we're supposed to believe you know the human and the vampire are Romeo and Juliet. It doesn't quite fit, though, does it? Like it, uh, Humans and vampires aren't, like, warring factions. No. And they're certainly... You know? um, one outnumbers the other. The other is mm-hmm. far more powerful than the other. So, And they're not at war. One of them doesn't even know the other one exists. It's not, it's not a very good metaphor. You know what it's a perfect metaphor for? I do. Can I say it? Sure. Vampires and werewolves. <laughs> werewolves. Yeah. Perfect <laughs> metaphor for that. Um, I don't find much evidence in the text for Edward and Jacob, except for Jamie McFarlane, the person who gave us all the ideas for this podcast, did write an <laughs> essay about uh, trying triangular relationships in Twilight and that a love triangle is inherently erotic between every member of the triangle. Really? Just for the sake of this pairing, just to make it easier on myself, I'm going to say the men and Bella, okay? Not all triangles are men and women. Anyways, but to make it easier on myself, I'm going to say the men and Bella. Obviously, both have very intense fascinations with Bella, but the relationship between Edward and Jacob is just as intense as the romantic relationships as romantic adversaries and as we all know fine line between love and hate so there and and because of the romantic relationship of the rivalry there's always an erotic undertone in any triangle so given that like we're in a triangle there's already this erotic undertone and it's romeo and juliet and uh-huh not as strong evidence but is there sure and just in one even very small allusion to queerness is bella asking jacob if he could try not being a werewolf yeah she does literally do that yeah she literally says have you tried not being a werewolf yeah. which is something that far too many queer people have been asked about like displaying their queerness i'm gonna ask right now yes could you be less of a werewolf it depends on the lore i think (laughs) first off i think that the lore in twilight in the twilight series is not very good no but in the vampire diaries no you could not try being less of a werewolf no that that's that's gonna wrap up my case i think yeah yeah, that's um, more things might come to me, but I think I've been talking for about two hours. And <laughs> while probably not exhaustive, I do think I, I would hope that most of our listeners, this is the most <laughs> gay evidence you've heard in one sitting. Certainly uh, for Twilight. Yes. So, uh, yes. Sorry for Twilight specifically. Um, Let me go get my gavel really fast. Great. I'm going to go ahead and call this one for the gays. Because you, you have put forth a very compelling case for 
the homosexual queer undertones within Twilight. And with that, the court is adjourned. Thank you. So so what's significant about this then? And that's gonna <laughs> what we're gonna come back to with I'm I am a little peeved by everybody starting to apologize to Stephanie Meyer, to Smire. Even um I won't call it specific people out, but some YouTubers that I really respect making the case that we were all we were too hard on her. And I and I do think we were hard on her for certain things, but I do think her books are very problematic and damaging. Yeah, absolutely. And there's the obvious reasons of like the misogyny, the stalking, the literal abuse, the literal abuse. But as I just kind of laid out, Stephanie Meyer has appropriated a queer symbol mm-hmm. to uh, prove to uh, advocate for staying away from transgression. Yeah. To advocate for homogeny. And I, I think that's very problematic. That's not the only thing she appropriates in this story either. Oh, yeah, like she's, that's a very good segue whew. that I just did. I'm really good at this. Whew, you're very good at this <laughs> because she also appropriated the culture of the Quileute tribe, which is a Washingtonian indigenous tribe. And it's, it, it's, it's bad. She took a lot of their lore and she shifted it for her own purposes. And then didn't compensate the tribe for their contribution to has her still stories. Not. Yeah, to her story, which has garnered so much money. So much money. We're coming up on the 20th anniversary and she still has not helped the Quilu tribe in any way. And it's not even just that she used like the name, like she used some of their lore and like their literal lore yeah. and then changed it. Yeah. To fit her narrative. Which is just so very quintessentially white. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like colonializing their history. And right. It's- the inherent racism of mm-hmm. using the werewolves versus the vampires as white versus people of color. Yeah. Because um, it, it furthers the stereotype of Native Americans and indigenous people being folk magic y and mystical. Mystical. And, and and also, like, they run around without shirts on. They fight constantly. They're, they're aggressive. And then at the same time, we have equally mystical beings, the all white Cullens, wearing suits and sophisticated. Yeah. Affluent, you know? And, like, to me, it's not like I think Stephanie Meyer did that on purpose necessarily i think it like it's her background has very much colored her perception of these things it's in the same way that you know her mormonism leaks into the story well it is her mormonism because yeah like that's true yeah because for those who don't know racism and mormonism is different than other religions where it's actually in the book of mormon that the bad people the i forgot if it's the nephites or whatever but the the bad ones, the ones that God didn't like and like lost this war in North America, were cursed by God with dark skin. So it's it's yep. actually like Joseph Smith wrote an excuse to be racist into their sacred text. If you ever hear the jokes about black people weren't allowed in the Mormon church till the 80s, that's why. And yeah. that is why Stephanie Meyer sees the world this way. That like, though she probably wouldn't think that she's racist, she does believe that white people are intrinsically better. And obviously she's wrong. Obviously she's wrong. And I don't know how fundamental she is, but we do know from Catherine Hardwick, an article that came out in 2018, that Catherine Hardwick did try to diversify the cast. Did you read about that? (laughs) I did. And that uh, Stephanie Meyer would only let Laurent be a person of color. Because he's evil. 
because he's evil. Also, okay, I know this is out of the um the court case, but you cannot tell me that Laurent, James, and Victoria are not a, a thruple. thruple. <laughs> Absolutely a thruple. Absolutely. But naturally, their uh, queer lifestyle is pretty evil. So, mm-hmm. but and you also notice a lot of the the bad vamps are very flamboyant. Oh yeah, yeah. The way that Laurent is dressed, everything about Aro, he's my favorite. I love Michael Martin Sheen. Michael Sheen. Yeah, I love Michael Sheen in this. I role. love Michael Sheen. Period. I. Yes. Best part of the fucking movie. Yeah. Any of them. <laughs> when he touches, uh, or when Renesme touches his cheek and he just goes. <laughs> so it's my good. my favorite thing. Actually, so that is good. my second favorite thing in the movie series. What's your um, first favorite? You're going to laugh so hard. Great. Okay. It Perfect. wasn't even in the books. Great. Um, Even though it should have been because, uh. In the last book, Stephanie Myers switches the perspective between Jacob and Bella. Mm-hmm. So this is something we should have seen from Jacob's point of view, but we didn't. We just heard about it later. <laughs> it's when Jacob approaches Charlie and he's supposed to tell. <laughs> he's supposed like, to tell Charlie. Like, Fucking prove it. I'm not going to laugh. he's supposed to tell charlie that bella has died but he can't find it within himself to do that because charlie is like such a good person and he tells charlie that she has changed in some way but that he can't explain how Mm -hmm. and in order to explain to him that he doesn't live in the world he thinks he does jacobs just starts to undress <laughs> and charlie like turns around and he's like god damn it what do you do jacob put on your clothes god damn like, it how was he supposed to and i'm shocked at how because at first he was reacting the way he should i'm i'm riled up sorry um yeah because I loved this scene. It was so fucking funny. It's my and favorite scene of the whole fucking series. He he was freaked out at first because he would be. And then somehow, I don't know how he got as calm as he did. Because for inexplicably, for the first time in this entire series. Because those men destroyed so many jorts. They're four, poor fucking parents. But um, yeah. this is the first team, time he decides, no, I'm going to save my pants. And gets completely naked. There's nothing, there's nothing else Charlie could have assumed was about to happen. <laughs> Other than Jacob was coming onto him and he like, I love, love Billy Burke, okay? Because he like throws his hands up in the air. He rolls his eyes. He turns around. He's like, no, I don't want to see that. And then he turns, like, as Jacob's pulling off his pants, he finally just like raises his eyebrows and he's like, what? What? <laughs> what? And then but Jacob kind like transforms for it. into, I know, he started to be down for it. Um, But it's not just this like ab- the absurdity of this moment because it's so gay <laughs> oh like God. i feel like stephanie meyer wrote charlie a girlfriend so that she could dissuade the rumors that he and billy were a thing i think that he i ship him and carlisle oh i mean sure more than anything that's fine let me can i can i request a moment to try and find this one passage i was trying to find earlier and i couldn't find it yes absolutely okay great 
Okay, so <laughs> this is a very normal thing in the movie. Billy Burke says it very straightforward. But my girlfriend was reading it to me when we got to this. And this is how she chose to read it. And it's when Bella's asking in the second chapter of Twilight, asking Charlie about the Cullens. And like, this is how Mm. Allison decided to read this. People in this town, he muttered. Dr. Cullen is a brilliant surgeon who could probably work in any hospital in the world. Make ten times the salary he gets here, he continued, getting louder. (laughs) We're lucky to have him. Lucky that his wife wanted to live in a small town. He's an asset to the community and all of those kids are well-behaved and polite. I had my doubts when they first moved in with all these adopted teenagers, but they're all very mature. I haven't had one speck of trouble from any of them. That's more than I could say for the children of some folks who have lived in this town for generations. And they stick together the way a family should. Camping trips every other weekend. Just because they're newcomers, people have to talk. And so that's wow. when I started that's when I started shipping them. <laughs> we should be so lucky. really really incensed about Cor. <laughs> Oh, man. And then the Billy Burke just says it just like, we're lucky to have him. But I don't yeah. I don't think that's what Smyre intended. No, he wanted to get really incensed. He's Though, a brilliant surgeon and we're lucky to have him. I think um, Billy Burke's version of uh, Charlie Swan is the only cop I really like. It's okay. Because he's never doing cop things. Never. He's he does, sitting at home, drinking a Rainier, yeah. and eating pizza. Yeah. And that's how, what cops should be doing right now. He does say a shitty thing to Tyler, who was played by a black guy. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to take your license Wait. away for this one. And it's like, he just slid on some black eyes. Like, he couldn't help it. Yeah, but he did almost kill Bella. Because he slid on black eyes. He wasn't like... Oh, I'm not saying that it was his fault. I'm just saying that he was um, ex- what is it? exercising an abuse of his power because his child was in danger. <laughs> just happened to be a black person. Of course, the, like only other black person in the entire movie is the one that charlie goes after i also in that same exact thing i do think that when carlisle comes in he does like wipe his hand across charlie's butt no he does not what yeah just um watch squinting just squint your eyes when you're watching it he definitely like runs a finger across his ass cheeks when he walks there i uh think i've done it You've done it. I think I've said everything I have to say about Twilight. Good work, Catherine. I'm glad you uh, stepped up and kicked it out of the park because I got a vaccine yesterday and I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted because I want pizza. Well, that's a valid reason to be exhausted. Next week, we're going to continue with our Fortnite of vampires with something that is actually a queer show (laughs) with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, so please oh it's gonna be so much so fun. please join us for next week Buffy the, Vamp- Buffy the Vampire Slayer good enunciating thank you you've been listening to Queer Pressure Podcast and our critical explorations of queer media as a continued practice of self-love with Katherine Johnson and Maddie Gray hey you if you like what you hear please consider subscribing following or leaving us a review on apple podcasts and google podcasts it really does help a small self-funded podcast like us to have people who like to listen and tell other people that they like to listen 
You can also follow us on social media. This week I'm going to put up a poll to see whether or not Catherine proved this gay subtext of Twilight. If you want to follow us, search for at QueerPressurePC on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Once again, that's QueerPressurePC for podcast, not for Polish cat person. It's absolutely not for Polish cat person. You're right. Good work, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this Twilight episode to end all Twilight episodes, and we will see you next week. And as always, fuck the police. Even Charlie. All cops are bastards.